Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. My message this morning, I did do it at Findon and I'm doing it across uh, the campuses and we're gonna move on from here in the next couple of weeks. But I thought it was a foundational message for us at the moment called the Pattern Church. The Pattern Church. You know, God's got a pattern for everything. He's got a pattern for our marriages, a pattern for our lives, a pattern for how we raise our kids. God is a God of pattern, but He has a pattern for His church. And when we get on board with His pattern, things really change. Uh, many of you that have known me for a long time, have known me, know that in 1994, I was at a meeting where God powerfully touched my life and He gave me Hebrews chapter eight the following day. I was on my knees in uh, Thebiton Town Hall where God said, build according to the pattern. And from that day to this day, all I see in Scripture is patterns. Part of that is God's genius because I'm such a fluid all over the place guy that if He didn't give me patterns, I'd be all over the place. And so I'm very grateful for His patterns in this feeler personality. And in Hebrews 8, it says, this is talking about the earthly priests, verse five, they serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, he gave him this warning. Notice it's a warning, it's not a suggestion. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. And in 1994, that challenge came into my heart. And I wanna say this morning that patterns are not eras. You know, we hear stuff like old era, new era. And I wanna say this morning from the bottom of my heart, not in a reactionary way, but God, when He gives us patterns, they for every era. They for every generation. When we took up an offering downstairs in this building to buy this building, the miraculous day where $640,000 cash in one weekend, and we couldn't even believe for half a million, but we needed. But the reason why God did it is because we made a promise to God that we would build something that would help the generations that our kids would take on and our kids' kids would take on. This wasn't something to make our name great. We didn't wanna be going from building to building, from hired building to hired building, but it wasn't about the building, it was, what about, it was about the pattern God was building for generations to be passed down. And I believe patterns are not eras, they are not moments, they are, uh, it's the Bible. The pattern is the Bible and bringing the Bible into every situation. God wants to restore to His church the pattern that will refresh the church the pattern that will revive the church, but also the pattern that will release the church out of our four walls and into our communities. Psalm 119, verse 105, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, which is my immediate, and a light unto my path, which is the long term. And I'm grateful this morning, not in an arrogant way, that I've been able to have the steps of the Lord order my life 
in every season, through tragedy, through pain, through cancer. I've just known He's given me enough for that day. I've never been able to have the long-term clarity always, but I knew He's got a lamp unto my feet, uh, unto my path, but He's got a lamp unto my feet. And as long as the lamp is unto my feet, He'll look after me getting to the light, to my path. And He's been so amazing. He's been so good and I'm so grateful. And that's why I love Patton and I love the Patton for the church. My desire, and this is not arrogant, I hope, my desire has always been to be led by God so I can lead others from that place. To be led by God is to be fed by God. And when God leads us, He feeds us, He looks after us if we embrace His pattern. God's been faithful. The last nine years, not having been part of the family here, God has been faithful to continue to help me in the patterns that He's put in my life to pass on to the body of Christ. Those patterns have so affected me. I, I was in Brisbane two or three weeks back and, uh, and speaking at a church and as I come flying into Brisbane, the Lord says to me, you need to speak on grief. And I'm going, God, I haven't been to this church for 25 years. Why do I need to speak on grief and not knowing and I may have shared this with you already, but not knowing that in the last month that church had had four or five major deaths. A young lady that had taken her life, a young man killed in a helicopter crash, um, an elder in the church passed away a few days before I got there. And all I could get was, God, why do I have to speak on this? And, and God moved in that meeting beyond our own understanding and brought healing to people's lives. And I'm so grateful today that when we follow His pattern of hearing His Word, some things never change, friends. We can be moving into all different places, but let me tell you, the patterns of God never change. It says in Jeremiah 6, I think, stand at the crossroads and look and go back to the ancient paths. The Western church right now needs to go back to the bread and butter of the Gospel and what it really means to know His power, His presence, His purpose. And I believe we're moving in that direction. I am excited and I'm not being silly about this. I'm excited about future church. And what God is doing in the Western right, church right now is He's cleaning up His church so that we can be all that He can trust us with to move out and make a difference in our community. My desire and calling has always been to see the body of Christ grow in its spiritual formation and being the expression of Jesus on the earth. I was stopped at Marion Shopping Centre about three or four years after we moved into this building by a man who lives in Happy Valley. And he says to me, are you Pastor Danny? And I said, yeah, I am. He said, oh, I just wanna congratulate you. And I'm going, I wonder what he's gonna say. He said, oh, a man moved in to live next door to my wife and I in Happy Valley. And when he moved in next door, he was pretty wild. He goes, but he came to Edge Church and gave his life to Christ. And in the last 12 months, we can't get over how much he's grown. And I thought, what a great statement. Not how many bottoms on seats on Sunday, not how big the building is or not is or what you've achieved or not achieved. I've watched Him grow. And I remember asking the Lord this question. I said, Lord, how do I as a pastor recognise whether I'm being fruitful? I don't like that word successful because it means different things to different people. But how do I know I'm being fruitful in your eyes or su successful from your perspective? And he gave me Galatians 4.19, where Paul says, I pray as a woman about to give birth until Christ is fully formed in you. 
And he said, your goal is to see Christ formation in people. That's why I love hanging around with the shivs. That's why I like hanging around with lots of young people that come into our home. Why? Because I want to see Christ formation in people. And it might not happen on a stage, but when I had cancer and I was in hospital and ministering to people in the hospital, I realised you don't need a pulpit to have a platform. A pulpit is different than a platform. And so many Christians that I meet that are so eager for the ministry, when we are ministry, I wanna share a message in the next couple of weeks with us about the fact that we all should live cold. Every Christian should live cold. Every Christian is in the ministry. We are ministry. And so I believe over the years, God's given me a level of clarity about God's pattern for His church. Ephesians chapter four, we see God's pattern for governance. And I believe with all my heart that even here at Edge right now, God is doing a great work where He's bringing clarity to governance. He's bringing clarity to what, what it means to have plurality of elders, what it means to be accountable. I say to people, if you follow me, you've got to know there's got to be someone that can say no to me. If someone can't say no to Danny, then you shouldn't say yes to me. How can we ask as leaders for people to follow us when we're not following someone that can tap us on the shoulder? I have five ministries in my life right now that are my accountability team. And I tell them, I'm going into this church. I'm about to do this. Is there anything you see? I'm in a situation right now where I rang Dr. Ray two days ago. He's on my team. I said, Dr. Ray, what do you think I should do with this? And I believe the greatest place to be as leaders is servant leadership, where we serve from the ground up in a place of accountability. In Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna read, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God, always be humble and gentle, patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. And I wanna say this, every Christian that knows another Christian, we need to know we are united because we're not united by our choice, we're united by our seed. We are saved by God, we're brought into His family. That's why we're united. That's why I can work across denominations. I can work right across the body of Christ. Why? Because they're my brothers and sisters. They're all our brothers and sisters. That little church in the country we heard about this morning, they're our brothers and sisters. And so God is bringing the church back to, there's only one church, Many congregations of that church, but there's only one church. And because we have the unity of the Spirit, we have to preserve it. We don't create it. We preserve what the Spirit has already given us. And then it goes on and says, the Scripture says, when He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to His people. Now I'm gonna skip down a few verses for time. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. The ministry is done by the members. The ministry is done by the believer to build up the church. That leadership has to have a responsibility to equip for that role. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with clever, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak to the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. When we let Him do His job, I'm telling you, the body will fit together perfectly as each part does His own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I remember one day I was in prayer when I was still pastoring here and I read all that Scripture And it really got hold of me. And I wrote this down. The apostolic anointing entrusts. What it does is it sees giftings on people. It entrusts people to their giftings. The prophetic endorses. So the prophetic brings the amen. That's why we need these different giftings. And may I stop here and say, you won't have all those giftings in one church possibly, but that's why we gotta be connected in the kingdom. And we gotta be connected where those voices can be brought in when they need it so that we're not an island on our own, but we're connected to the wider body of Christ because the apostolic entrusts, the prophetic endorses, the pastor anointing in Ephesians 4 embraces people into truth. It's not just giving people, oh, there are, you'll be fine, you'll be okay. That's a different kind of gift. That's an exhortation gift. But an Ephesians 4, 11 pastor gift embraces people into truth so they can grow. And so a wonderful gift, an incredible gift. The teacher explains and the evangelist expands. And when the Lord dropped that into my heart, it wasn't just nice words that matched with starting similar. It was something that penetrated as a pattern inside of me, which I teach around the body of Christ today. The imperfect church, the imperfect church will be able to experience, even in its imperfection, through these giftings, biblical authority, biblical clarity, Holy Spirit unity, arising to maturity and people released into opportunity to be in their God shape. One of the things I'm teaching around the country right now is what is your God shape? Where do you bear fruit? What are you burdened for? And where are you being stretched? Because if you're being stretched where you're not burdened, you'll break down. I can't get over the amount of burnout in the body of Christ because uncommanded work will lead to burnout. But commanded work will keep you in faith. You'll have fruit in what you do. You'll have faith, you'll have fruit. And guess what? You'll have fun. You'll enjoy what you do. And guess what? You'll have frustration. But if it's frustration, 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 very little fruit, very little fun, we're possibly not in our God shape. There will always be frustration because the enemy doesn't like us. But I'm glad even in the last nine years, and my wife will tell you, I spent 90% of my time in my faith where I can bear fruit, where I'm not frustrated, where I can have a level of fun. And yes, there is a bit of frustration, but it doesn't override how we are. And that, that way we don't burn out and we never have to retire. Someone said to me the other day, are you retired? I said, I got four new tyres the other day and I retired. So I can keep going because I've got new tyres. And so, yes, I am retired. And so I believe God is bringing these gifts back to the body of Christ. I wanna say that, Edge, you're in safe place right now in history. 
God didn't plant this thing so it hits the wall. He planted this thing so it'll go into His purpose for generation to generation. There's a revival happening amongst children. I really believe that. And so we're gonna see great things happen. When the church is led apostolically, there'll be affection. There'll be some level of correction in order to bring protection to stop infection. And that's what happens when the apostolic is released. People attack the church all the time. It's always been attacked. You know, do you ever walk into a gym and see people that look like me in there, unfit, overweight, and go, what are they doing here? Uh, That's why they've come to the gym. You don't turn around and go, get out of here. You don't belong here. You don't look fit enough to be here. It's a gym to get fit. You don't go to Royal Adelaide Hospital and walk in there and go, flip, how many sick people in this place? (laughs) Well, of course, whoever said the church is a place full of the do-gooders that have got a whole act act together. No, 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 the church, I was driving to Murray Bridge to preach at the CRC Church in Murray Bridge and a Sharon and I pulled up into the car park. I saw like a vision. And as I saw the front of the church, I saw a big H at the front, which said to me, hospital. I came around the corner to get ready to park my car and I saw empty land and I saw new houses going up everywhere in my mind. And the Lord said, the church is a community, it's a family. But then as we went around the corner to park my car, I saw army barracks in front of my eyes. And the Lord said, the Lord is an army. And the Lord is an army sometimes, at other times it's a hospital, and sometimes it's a family, it's all those three at the same time. Can you imagine, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I did a funeral just a few weeks ago. I can't remember what illustration I've used where, but I did a funeral and and I'm strong as an ox. As I'm, we're burying the casket of someone who used to be in my youth group years ago that I had the chance of leading sort of back to the Lord. She was coming back to the Lord, but wasn't in fellowship and then got to do a funeral. And there's the family all crying and I'm strong. I got my arms around them. I'm praying with them as the casket goes down. And then all of a sudden, when that happened, I turned around and started walking back to my car. And I realised just there was my son's grave. And I'm going, what? I didn't know this is where we were. We came into a different Enfield Cemetery in a different entrance. And I go over to my son's grave and I just stood there and completely lost it. I was howling. It was like coming from deep within me, this cry of pain that I go, God, it's seven years and I still feel that pain. And I'm bawling my eyes out and all of a sudden there's an arm around me. And I turned and it was my cousin from Sydney who was only in Adelaide for two days and he'd come to the cemetery to see his dad's grave and heard me doing the funeral across the path, heard my voice and came looking for me. And by the time he found me, I'm standing, there's no one else around in front of my son's grave. And he put his arm around me and said nothing, but cried with me. Crazy thing was I was preaching in Sydney last week and halfway through my preach, he walked into the meeting because he lives in Sydney. I go, what's going on here? And I'm bawling my eyes out and He's crying with me. And the Holy Spirit put this in my heart. The Christian walk is about sometimes giving comfort to others and other times needing comfort ourselves. 
in a 15 minute period of time, I went from giving comfort to needing comfort. And if the church doesn't become that kind of place, now I'm glad it doesn't have to be everybody in hospital on one given Sunday. Because if everyone's in hospital, nobody's gonna get any help. But we walk into this place week after week and someone needs a hospital. Someone needs family right now and they need to be hugged and loved. And someone just needs someone that will stand in warfare with them and fight for the resilience of their lives. And that's the organic church that I see. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that church. The church will never be perfect. People go to the gym because they wanna get better. People should come to church knowing there's a God that can make them better. It's been six months since I stood, sorry, it's been six months since I joined the gym and still there's no progress. So I'm going down there in person tomorrow to see what the problem is. <laughs> see, I could take you to an Italian restaurant three nights a week, it won't make you an Italian if you're not Italian. We can go to church, prayer meetings, every meeting that's on, G3, G8, G7, whichever G you wanna go to. And that's fine, but if that's all we do, it doesn't make us Christian. Sometimes people identify now. I saw a lady the other day on, on screen crying because people don't understand that her son identifies as a dog and they make fun of him at school. But what's happened to our world? But you know what? Sometimes we identify as Christian because we go to church. But God's got so much more. His love is so much greater. And we don't just identify, we are known by our actions of following Christ, not perfection, but direction. What encourages me, what encourages me this morning is the Corinthian church. I've been spending a long time, even this week again, in the Corinthian church. When you look at the Corinthians church, there was division in the church. There was disorder in the church, both morally, legally and carnally. There was difficulties in the church. There was domestic issues, social issues, uh, practical issues, church behaviour, doctrinal, financial. I felt really good when I studied the Corinthian church. Well, we're not doing too bad. Sometimes we think it's all going bad and downhill. Let me tell you, it happened in the Bible. And the Lord never, ever, ever has held us away from knowing these things in Scripture. The Scripture has never hidden the church's challenges and we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should embrace it. Seven churches in the book of Revelation. It says, you do some great things, guys, but these are some of the things you probably need to look at. Well, you do need to look at. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, we use that as a salvation scripture, but it's actually a scripture to the church. God stands at the door of the church and knocks, but He doesn't say, if anybody hears my knock. He says, if anybody hears my voice. There's a difference between people feeling the church is, something's knocking on the door of the church, what's going on? God is knocking on the door of the church, but He doesn't want us to be afraid of His knock. He wants us to open the door and let Him in and hear His voice because He wants to have dinner with us. He wants to do life with us. Jesus is not coming to the church to slap the church. He's coming to the church to lift the church and heal the church. And He speaks to every church in the book of Revelation. Why wouldn't He do it to us? 
and in the Corinthian church. I love this. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Sosthenes, I am writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be His own holy people. He made you holy. We heard it this morning through the worship. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus. We can't make ourselves holy. He has made us holy just as He did for all people everywhere who call on the Name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts He has given you. Now that you belong to Christ, through Him God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong till the end. Wow. And so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this. And then a couple of verses later, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. I follow ACC. I follow CRC. I follow the Baptist. Oh no, no, that's not in there. I follow Peter. So I follow only Christ. Wow, only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptised in the name of Paul? Of course not. Now, because of time, let me give you a summary of this chapter. Number one, we see our position in Christ. The minute we give our lives to Jesus Christ, God doesn't see us, He sees Jesus. It's called justification. When I was in Bible school, this was rammed down our hearts and say, well, justification is just as if you'd never sinned. The minute you receive Christ, you are justified. If it's a genuine giving your life to Christ, you become justified just as if you'd never sinned. But there's a difference between justification and what is sanctification, which is then we have to go on a journey, if you can hear this, once we've been justified before God, we go on a journey to become what we've already become in our practice. And so we see in chapter one, our position in Christ, verses one to three, our potential in Christ, verses four to seven, the promise of Christ, I will keep you to the end, verse eight and nine. And then verse 10, he addresses the practice of Christ. So Paul is saying to the Corinthians, God's got you. He's with you right till the end. He knows your potential and He wants to release all your potential. He knows you are gifted and, and, and when God looks at you, He sees you as holy and He will keep you to the end. However, your practice really does sucketh. That's in the Old Testament. And so you need to deal with your practice. But in the practice, it's a daily walking out the steps to become what we've already become in reality. And that's what happens here in this church. Jesus is building His church. He will build it His way. How do we partner with Him? 
Go right back to the beginning of this passage of Scripture in Ephesians that we read this morning. Therefore, I, a prison for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your, worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble, not sometimes. Selected humility is not humility. Humility is a posture that we carry. It's not, I'll be humble here, but I'll be proud over here. So when we read this passage of Scripture, it says, um, uh, be gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. In order for this to happen, right there in this passage, there are five words, four words, humility, gentleness, patience, unity and love. That's before we hear about apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. In Ephesians 4, it says, look, these gifts are amazing, but you've got to get this stuff first. Look after each other, love each other. The trouble in Australian church, especially the mega church, is we grab people for gifts and we don't stop to check the character. And we've got to get back to that. Many of you will remember me standing on this platform and saying, do we want to be Christmas trees or do we want to be fruit trees? Because put a Christmas tree up here with all its gifts, turn on the lights and everybody goes, wow. But it can't feed you because it's not natural. They're gifts that are hung on a tree that's not a real tree. Put a pot with an orange plant in here and it has a couple of bits of fruit, won't attract you. But if you're thirsty, it'll give you sustenance. You know, it'll feed you. And sometimes in the Christian church, it's all gift, 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 but the gift won't keep you if your character's not right to sustain you, to get you to that place of longevity where we make it till the end. And so we see humility, gentleness, patience. I've got to move. Can the musicians please come? Thank you. Scripture after Scripture that we haven't got time to go through today, but it was three years ago where I said, God, what is your greatest word? If you could give me one word, God, what is one word that really underpins everything? And this is what came to me. I thought it was gonna be love. And of course it's connected to love, but He said humility. For Christ humbled Himself left heaven to come to earth to do what? To love us. If I don't humble myself, my love will have conditions. I love this group. I don't, I'm not sure about those people. But when humility grabs our hearts, we don't choose who we love. We love consistently and continually. And so in Colossians 3, 12 to 15, since God has chosen you to be His holy people, He loves you must close yourself with tender hearted mercy Kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive one another. Forgive those that offend you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Ephesians 4.2, we've already read it. Always be humble and gentle. James 4.6, and He gives grace generously, as the Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee with you. I remember the Lord showing me very clearly, I've been writing a lot of messages for pastors. Because if pastors right across this nation and the world, me starting with me here, 
So Stan, if you don't humble yourself, you'll experience humiliation because God resists the proud. If God is resisting me, that means I'm going towards Him. But He pushes me away because I want God to bless my plans. And God says, I resist you. But He gives grace to the humble. And as I was in prayer, and I did share this with the staff three or four weeks back, probably eight weeks back, I don't know, it was quite a while ago. And I was on a plane about to land into a city in Australia, going to a church that there was a lot of pride. It was deacon possessed, they were all fighting, all going off at each other. A church I've been working with for 13 years, but the last eight years I've been on the advisory board. And it was only two nights ago that this situation got healed. For the last three years, it's been a battle. I go, why do I let myself into these situations? But that's what God's called us to. And this is what I wrote as I was coming into land. Where there is humility, there'll be surrender. Where there is pride, there'll be a stubbornness. Where there is humility, there'll be clarity. Where there is pride, there'll be confusion. Where there is humility, motive will be right. Where there is pride and wrong motive, there'll be a fight. Where there is humility, there will be trust. Where there is pride, there'll be tension and turmoil. Where there is humility, grace will be released. Where there is pride, grace is removed. Humility positions us to say yes to God. Pride reinforces our no. And I wrote that, just came into my head. And I shared that with a team of leaders. And one of the things that's happening all over the world right now is repentance. I believe leaders all over the world are being called to repentance. We're leaders first, because the leaders go first. Talk about edge. They to stand at the edge of the Jordan with a priest going first. I want you, can I ask you as a congregation, Every time you think of not attacking your leaders, but asking, can you just spend a moment praying for them and praying that God will bring us all to a place of repentance? Because when we humble ourselves, grace is released, not wrath, not anger, the love of God will be released. And I don't know if I can say this, but yesterday morning we had a beautiful prayer meeting. I felt it was fantastic as there was such a presence of God amongst the G3 leaders and, and, and I could just sense in my heart that God's knocking on the door of all our hearts, our churches. And He goes, will you hear my voice? Will you let me in? And if you let me in, watch what's gonna happen. I need you, please, together, let's believe that there's a great awakening. I felt God saying revival is different than visitation. And I close with this. Visitation are moments when God shows up and we let Him in. In meetings like this, in meetings like prayer meetings. But revival's personal. And in all my life, I've been in many moments of visitation. But unless I take those moments home and turn them into movement that becomes momentum in my life, I lose the moment. I don't wanna lose the moment and I prophesy today that in Edge family over the next few weeks and months, there's gonna be moments of visitation. God's gonna visit us, but we need to take it home and let it revive us. Because if we do, great things are happening. Father, we thank You today. We thank You for Your church. 
We thank You, Lord, that with all the challenges that come, all the things we go through that have always been there, we thank You that when You said You build Your church, You, you will do it. You will build what You said You'll build. And Lord, today, Lord, as a family, we surrender to You and say, Lord, we wanna partner with You. We wanna build with You. And Father, we wanna see Your pattern church not only touch the Christian world, but touch our communities, touch the lost. Father, I pray that the day will come when our people will be at a supermarket and pray for someone who's sick in that supermarket and they get healed, not at church, but in the supermarket, in our universities, in our schools, that the church will rise up and be the church. We thank You, Lord, that we're gonna see this. Our kids are gonna see it. Our grandkids are gonna see it. In Jesus' Name we pray. Amen and amen. I hope that was encouraging. I hope it was because we're going somewhere. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.